0: This is the Immigration Conversation, presented by Fragman, a series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world. We'll bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern, and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Immigration Conversation podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Canada, and especially on Canada's Permanent Residence Program, uh, and uh, things that, uh, that involve immigration targets, and how Canada is, is looking to fill those immigration targets, which are we'll find out are quite ambitious. And so today, we're going to talk about a specific incident that happened on February 13th when it comes to uh, the Express Entry Program, which is Canada's principal economic immigration Intake systems, and how twenty-seven thousand people got invited with scores that you might not have even qualified uh, if you were were not part of the pool yet. So to explain this and to unpack all of this, we have today Cosmina Morariu, who is with our Canadian practice, and uh, she will uh, unpack all these these questions. She leads our PR team here, and so thanks, Cosmina, for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me, Jack
1: yeah so Canada did uh, basically invited all these people twenty seven thousand people in, in win one fell swoop and a lot of people are talking about the fact that they're trying to fill their their the government's immigration targets. so can you tell me like what these immigration targets are and why are, why are they so important to the canadian government
2: I, I i think it's it's very important also to look at uh for those who do not uh, know the uh, 1971 policy which was the first policy that really articulated the government support for um, cultural diversity but also starting with i think it was 1976 where the federal and provincial officials really developed the immigration targets together and and, um, you know, looked at immigration as a tool for really meeting the country's cultural, economic, and um, social objectives. And immigrants have become increasingly important as, um, you know, native-born native labor force ages, fertility rate remains low, and whatnot. So, um, the, at the end of October last year, the, uh, the government in power table the immigration targets for the next three years and uh, everybody thought at that time that these targets are uh, a bit ambitious uh, given that we were going through a pandemic. But, uh, you know, those those targets uh, don't seem so ambitious at this point, (laughs) looking back at the uh, uh, draw that happened on on February 13th. So just to um, go back to October 30th, 2020, At that time, the government set up the targets for the next three years. And it started with an ambitious uh, target of uh, um, 401,000 planned uh, admissions uh, for permanent residents. And then following uh, two years, uh, increments, increases in increments of uh, 10,000 people.
1: Yeah, so I mean, 400,000, I mean, with Canada being a country of 35 million, uh, you can really see <laughs> that uh, yeah they're trying to make a dent into into the population right uh, demographics yeah. right there yeah yeah, yeah. so like they, the 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 government then decides to do this draw and for those uh, who may be unfamiliar with express entry you have to hit a, a certain number of cutoff points uh, to be able to be invited to apply and and usually I think those those cutoff points were like what four sixty four seventy mm-hmm. for most categories right.
2: Yeah. So the government. Was da- yeah, go ahead. It was dancing. Uh, it was dancing around that score, um, mm-hmm. and we were pretty. I mean, the scores were, and the draws were predictable to some extent. Um, you know, starting from, you know, the the whole system was introduced in uh, January twenty fifteen. So you could see a pattern and you could sort of predict every two weeks, okay, what would be the score? How many people would get selected? But then all that predictability <laughs> went off the roof <laughs> on, on February 13th. So um, it, it sort of messed up uh, everybody's calculations.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no that. kidding. No kidding. Yeah. I think we we all woke up that Saturday morning rubbing our eyes thinking like what the <laughs> heck? <laughs> Am I reading this yeah. right? It's not 475? <laughs> did, did somebody make a mistake yeah. in government, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. like, what yeah. what what is the significance of going all the way down to 75 because I think mo- most people were well above that point cutoff score. So is, is the government sending some I'm sort of message that. or like w- what would you make of this?
2: Um I think that the government looked at um, the practical, you know, how practicable it is to meet these targets, and and what would be those who will be able to to contribute and and be added to these targets. And the easiest way was those who were already in Canada contributed to the Canadian economy, were already integrated here, already. You know, starting setting roots, So it's much, you know, looking at uh, during the pandemic, working remotely, you know, online system and so on, it's, it's much more easier to transition those currently in Canada uh, to permanent resident status, especially that you don't have to have a physical landing. So those converted to uh, permanent status don't have to go through a land border crossing to land or to a local office or whatnot so um, it's very easy to to have those people already here as as temporary workers uh, transition to permanent residence so why the the government went uh, that low, some people may think, well. It, you know, are we attracting the, the best and the brightest? I think that was one of the things that I heard. Well is somebody with the score of seventy five the best and the brightest. Um, and and you know what I think the government was very tactical in tactical in, in, in what the government did because it's easy. People are here, they're already integrated, let's just convert them to permanent status. So I think that that's sort of signal what the government plans to do, um, at least this year, is to allow those who are already here to continue their establishment.
1: Mm. It, it sounds like a, a, a more of a political message than one mm-hmm. that is, uh, mm-hmm. is immigration or settlement outcome related, because mm-hmm. 70, mm-hmm. 75 points, like that's basically the bare minimum of what you need to do to qualify, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes you have people who are working in Canada, but don't have an education credential assessment, which adds to um, the, the comprehensive ranking score. So somebody who has one year of experience and language ability without having anything else would be able to make, make that 75 score.
1: So that person basically won the lottery, the immigration lottery, literally that day. February 13th at that point.
2: Yeah. something like that. yeah
1: yeah, okay. So so you, you have this draw and we'll, we'll talk a bit about the draw that just happened today on March 18th uh, as well. But mm-hmm. so if you have this draw, wh- what kind of behavior have, have you been seeing with both uh, employees or individuals uh, as well as employers? And and are we looking at, like, this mad dash just to get Express Entry Profiles in?
2: I'm seeing um, a lot of inquiries from those who did not qualify before because they didn't have a competitive score coming back saying, I want my profile in. Um, you know, just let us sit there even if the score is not uh, competitive. Because I'm seeing this um, prior draw, then I'm going to take the chance and maybe I will be selected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I'm seeing is employers are much more willing to support employees for PR, um, which is which is good.
1: I see, I see, and, and and the Canadian government likes people to become permanent residents at this point in time for the for not only targets but for other policy reasons as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: And so, um, the government, we we, we know, uh, conducted a draw today. And can you tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about what happened today on March 18th?
2: Yeah, and uh, I'll start with, uh, you know, looking looking back, and I'll, I'll get to your question. Um, yeah. Just by way of example, in 2020, we had 37 draws. Um, and then 2021, we barely had nine draws. Obviously one of them was uh, um, the the sheer size of 27,000, but nine draws so far, four were targeted towards currently uh, working in Canada, having that one year of Canadian work experience, and five targeted towards who have a provincial nomination. So today um, we had uh, the first uh, 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 draw, uh, where the government selected 5,000 candidates from those who have one year of of Canadian work experience.
1: I see 5,000. Is, is that okay, I mean, in, in, to put, put it in context? Is that a lot compared to other draws that we've had before?
2: Comparing to this year, no. <laughs> <laughs> but comparing to last year, if, if we look at um, you know, starting in November. November and December draws last year. They were each um, in the size of 5,000 candidates being selected. At that point, though, there was no program specified. So it was a combination of provincial nominees and, and federal skill workers and Canadian experienced class candidates. But um, comparing to this year, uh, 5,000 is, you know, a good number, I may say.
1: Okay, yeah. Now, about, about those federal skilled worker class folks mm-hmm. uh, who are not in Canada right now, are, are they out of luck, mm-hmm. or do you think at some point in time the government is going to get to them?
2: I, I would think that the government will get to them at some point, Um, we'll probably see uh, what's going to happen within the next months. Um, I I think it's also relevant to note that currently in the pool, we have roughly 162,000 candidates with profiles in the pool and um, to meet its targets, the government needs roughly 64,000 and um, those 64,000 will have to be selected by the end of June, assuming that the processing time is six months to make sure that uh, it meets its targets of um, over a hundred thousand candidates for this year. So there were only 40, roughly 44,000 drawn so far, so we have another 64,000 to be drawn uh, by the end of June. So I would assume that the government will um, turn its mind to uh, those who who are in the pool with federal skill work experience. And the other thing is we may think that, you know, the Canadian experience class candidates, um, we're not going to have in the pool. We, we're still going to have those candidates in the pool because you may have candidates who are currently in Canada working for two months, having a valid job offer. Uh, those candidates are federal skilled worker candidates. They're not falling within the Canadian experience class candidate yet. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the government has an opportunity there to maybe lower the Canadian experience to, let's just say, six months, for example, and all of a sudden you're going to have a pool of candidates uh, for the Canadian experience class uh, category.
1: So what, what we're hearing right now is uh, miles to go before we sleep on, on this PR file right so uh, yeah. yeah yeah it it seems there's a lot of work to do now on mm-hmm. that front, uh what do you expect the government to to do here you met, you mentioned something along the lines of perhaps lowering the Canadian experience requirement for one of the categories uh what yeah. I, I, we've also heard about uh, rumors of something special to be done for international students. So, what do you think mm-hmm. is in the realm of feasibility for the government to do uh, to to meet these targets?
2: So, one of the, uh, and, and I may say, it's sort of a peep. Um, uh, one of the things that the government may may do is look at students. Majority of them already work in Canada, and. Uh, even if they work in Canada, their experience during studies is not recognized as Canadian work experience. Um, Perhaps look at recognizing that experience as Canadian work experience and and have those um, qualify as as Canadian experience class candidates. So that's one of the things. Uh, Second thing for workers, as I, as I alluded before, there are plenty of free workers with job offers, but who do not have the one year of experience in Canada. But they may have, you know, six months work experience. We lower the, the work experience from one year to six months and then qualify them sooner for the experience class. The other thing is look at the business class. One of the challenges that we currently have in Canada is business succession. And we see a lot of businesses, especially during the pandemic, we see a lot of businesses that need an influx of capital to survive and, and need, you know, um, a partner, um, and you know, open up and, and support more um, the foreign investment. Um, the other thing is, should we dismiss the possibility of having a federal investor program for specific infrastructure projects, because those will. You know, you have an influx of of um, capital. Those will create opportunities for Canadians uh, down the road, and and sort of help uh, with the um, economic recovery. So those are some of the things that could be uh, looked at. You know, students, foreign workers, business class, and and potentially look at the federal investor program.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I think they. They're probably all in the realm of uh, of possibility. Uh, We've only seen one of them, more draws happening, so uh, we'll see uh, on that. Do do you think, and and I know the pandemic has really kind of slowed this down to a certain degree that uh, the government may uh, provide avenues for, let's say, foreign workers and international students, the the foreigners inside Canada, those two buckets, uh, and facilitate Mm -hmm. more entry into Canada on that front, just to meet more targets?
2: uh potentially yes yes
1: okay hey, do you have any suggestions on that front on what what could happen um i know like for instance processing times uh, even a few months ago were pretty slow but they seem to have picked up as well
2: yeah um i i wish i had a <laughs> a solution for every every challenge that we we sometimes have um but um I, I think the government is on the right track with at least the processing times that I'm seeing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um in, in terms of travel restrictions, uh, you know, everybody has an opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I think it's very difficult to balance the uh the um what's happening in reality with, you know, where we wanna be and, and where we are right now. Um, and and I think it's also difficult for the government to take the right decision. Um, what do you think from your end?
1: Oh well, no, I, I I certainly agree with you. There's a balance of protecting uh, Canadian safety uh, and and the, the yeah. safety of the public, uh, but at the same time, immigration is a driver to the uh, the Canadian yeah. economy, and that's, uh, that's the bet that uh, the government seems to have doubled down on. So, I think that's uh, yeah. it's it's that's where we lie in 2021 and the vaccinations will probably help in in hopefully kind of getting us back to back to where we were in 2019 and uh, back into that yep. uh, immigration saddle so to speak so I, I i think it's a it's a great segue to concluding so thank you thank you cosmina for all your insights today thanks for having me yeah and I'm sure maybe six months later, we're going to have a different conversation on all the other things that the Canadian (laughs) government has done on immigration targets Mm -hmm. and all that. But uh, this is uh, where we conclude. So thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Immigration Conversation podcast. Uh, With us today was Cosmina a senior manager and the leader of our permanent residence team here in Canada. I'm Jack Kim. I am also a senior manager and a manager of one of the temporary teams. Thank you very much and good day.
0: Immigration Conversation podcast is presented by Fragaman, the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. This episode is current as of the date of recording. With frequent changes in global immigration, be sure to keep up to date by visiting our website at www.fragomen.com and subscribing to the Immigration Conversation on your favorite podcast service to hear the latest episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any listener and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the Global Immigration Professional with whom you work at Fragomen.